It's Saturday, December 16th, 2023, and this is episode number 38 of The Mike Newman Show, where once again, Dr. Tim and I get together in our favorite North Austin eatery for a little conversation after we threw down some yummy breakfast here, and uh, it's been a little while since we've been to get to, uh, talking together, and we're looking forward to it. So here we go. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll catch you at the end. So Tim. Yes, sir. It's been a while. It has. And it's all on me. Well, good. I've been blaming it on you, so that's good. All right. <clears throat> We're on the same page, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Indeed. I have had a good fall. I trust that you have as well. For sure. Well, that's yep. good. <clears throat> and uh, now we're cruising up on Christmas and Thanksgiving's in the rearview mirror. And we were going to talk about today. Well, I thought we could talk about communication. That's a great idea. And to, uh, to uh, I guess, get, lay, lay a little groundwork with it. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is pretty much the whole gamut of communi- communication, really. Uh, we, 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 we could get into the technology at some point. That's fine, but... To begin with, even starting out, nonverbal and verbal. I mean, well, there's all kinds. Well, and the, what, what, what's the purpose of it all? The purpose, there you go. purpose of it all, and given the fact that we're two of us sitting here staring at each other across the table, right? The purpose of it all is somewhere back there behind your eyes. <clears throat> there is the realm of pure thought. And one would assume that's that's that is you, mm-hmm. right? And I'm sitting back here behind my eyes in the realm of pure thought is me, mm-hmm. and we we our our thought is the philosophical realm. It is beyond the physical realm, and I think that that from my reading, at least. It's the point where people no longer, where science no longer understands precisely what's going on. Right. Okay, the, the, you, you can talk about the neuron-to-neuron transfer of electrical, or actually electrochemical, because it's both an electrical and a chemical transfer between neuron cells. In the course of, and th- through those, you establish connections, and through those connections, somewhere in there, thought pops into being. Yeah. And thought is, as hard as it is, I think, to understand or to think about, if you will, or a little recursion thrown in there. Sure. But it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, almost a physical manifestation of a non-physical Of something else that's thing. going on, yeah. right. And perhaps people have understood that uh, forever. I well, don't they've know. Been, they've been studying it with EEGs <clears throat> and all sorts of brainwave activity and trying to map out certain areas of the brain that occur when people are feeling a certain way or speaking or talking about certain types of topics of... You know, this one seems to excite this side of the brain or this, you know, and all that. So it's an observational activity that's going on. But at the same time, I think to your point, we're not really sure what's beneath that. 
Exactly, and if you think about when, when there are when, when imaging is done, when measurements are taken, mm-hmm. you, they're always actually measuring uh, secondary effects. They're not measuring thought per se, but they're measuring, for example, blood flow, right? Or map, uh, mapping uh, temperature. So you get indications through enhanced blood flow or perhaps through uh, indications of greater heat dissipation that certain areas of the brain are working a little harder yep. when, you're, when you're doing certain things or when you're thinking certain things. But So the motivation, are, are we headed toward the motivation for communication? Like Well, that, that, well certainly that's, that, that, that would be the, the base of it. But the, 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 the idea is that you, in your thought, if you will, your mm-hmm. being as a, as, as, a, as a thought entity, wants to somehow convey information, well, I'll say we'll start with information mm-hmm. to my thought being, if you will. Mm-hmm. In point of fact, what I contend we're ultimately trying to convey is sensation. And that it is, it is sensation that comes into being purely within the realm of thought Mm-hmm. That determines what we do, how so, we feel about things, what motivates us, and the like. And so that, just for the listener, that the the topic of sensation and the centrality, or at least as a standalone theme, is something that you've spoken to me about many times over the years. Exactly, uh, and and I, I believe that in the in the end is that that that's what motivates us to take actual physical action okay okay so so the 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 process is then one of i have thought within the philosophical realm i have to try to convey that thought into the physical realm right in order to get it from you to me or from me to you okay you have to interpret the physical realm down into the philosophical realm yeah. And well, yeah. if, if, if we've done it well, then the inner sensation that I, have, uh, that I have relative to whatever is something that I can convey to you. Well, I'm laughing right now because I think I have a perfect example of this going wrong this morning here at the diner. <laughs> so I walk in and I'm hungry. That, that's a sensation. I've... My inside my mind, I have not expressed it to anyone yet. I don't know. I don't know if any of my outward behavior communicated to you that I was hungry. I think from my perception, I just walked in the place, started setting the gear up and, hey, Tim, how you doing? Merry Christmas, yada, yada, yada. But in my mind, I'm like, man, it's been a long time since I've had a plate of Migas. And so I had assessed in my mind, in the thought, I'm hungry. And then I, also in my mind, I'm like, what are the available resources I have to satisfy that concern or need? And then I translate it into a want. I want Migas. You know, I've got a desire for Migas. I have a desire for the sensation, if you will, of how yummy that is. And then (laughs) we get to placing the order. And I'm also thinking in my mind... I'm a flour tortilla guy. 
I really don't like corn tortillas. And yet, when the waitress was here, and I'm just plowing through in my mind, I'm thinking about flour, I didn't know that the word corn came out of my mouth. <laughs> and then the food was delivered. It's wrapped up in that, the, the tortillas are wrapped up in that little foil container. I'm anticipating flour, and I open it up, and there's the rubbery little corn guys. And my first thought was, not that my communication had been screwed up on my side, Mine was, wait a minute, I ordered uh, flour. And then <laughs> you corrected me as a wonderful third-party observer. I'm like, well, actually, you yeah. did order corn. You did order corn, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's kind of a so, so snapshot. I, and that is, that is, a, that is a, a very good illustration that, uh, that, that somehow we have to go through a a translation, if you will, from the purely philosophical realm of thought mm-hmm. into the physical realm that uh, makes things wiggle. Uh, the, the air wiggles uh, when we say something, and mm-hmm. if we say corn rather than flour, uh, that's conveying information, and I'm going to hear that and interpret it, and mm-hmm. I can't make the translation then that, oh, he said corn, but he really meant flour. Exactly. Although, although historically, I, I, you did note there's like that's not what Mike normally does. Yes, I, I, so I, I did note that indeed. Uh, so uh, the, the 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 idea then is is that that I've, 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 I'm in the philosophical realm, and mm-hmm. I and I'll continue to talk about thought as as philosophical mm-hmm. because I. As I read neuroscience, papers in neuroscience, I have come to believe, I, I'm not, I, I guess I, I, I don't know that it's, 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 it's proven or that others would interpret it, but I've come to, to understand that or think that within the brain, thought is a totally dynamic process. Memory is a totally dynamic process. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an artifact, if, if you will, if you think of the realm of analog computers versus digital computers, it's an analog process. And thought only occurs while it's going on, if you will. Yeah. And memory So there's, only, no, there's no storage. There's no There's static. no storage. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and there's no... Uh, well, the storage, the storage is in the connectivity. Yeah. Okay. So if you, if you look at neuron-to-neuron uh, communication, so you have... You have uh, uh, neurons uh, connected to other neurons through what's called a synapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, a synapse is a physical connection or two physical points, if you will, or two f- physical con- connections separated by a gap. Mm-hmm. All right. A, 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 think of it as a fluid gap. And so I have an electrical impulse on one neuron and to convey anything to another neuron, that electrical impulse has to pass from one neuron to the next. Okay. But it can't. There's an open circuit in there. Mm-hmm. There's a gap. And what sits in that gap uh, is fluid. And into that fluid, you can release what are called neurotransmitters. Mm. Okay. And so you have to get a, 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 a chemical operation to enable the transfer of the le- the electrical impulse. Okay. That's why you you, you you have to talk about 
brain activity is mm-hmm. an electrochemical activity. Gotcha. You, you interrupt the neurotransmitters and nothing happens. This electrical impulse doesn't go over there. One of, one of the, as I understand it, or one of, the, my, one of my favorite drugs. Uh, 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 Coffee? Prof- profanol. Oh, profanol. Uh, it's a it's a it's an anesthetic, right? Okay. General anesthetic, only general anesthetic <laughs> I've ever had. Okay. And it functions to interrupt that electric or that chemical process, and so it just shuts down communication hmm. between one synapse and the next. And once you shut that down, you, you don't have, see anything, you don't hear anything, you just you're just out. And yeah. it's it literally, at least for me, and I think as it, it, in general, it's just a switch. You introduce that into the brain, and you just stop thinking. Apparently for me, some doctors have said, you never quite shut down, dude. Are you okay? (laughs) You know, come back later. Apparently I'm blah, 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 you know, like still in the middle of a dream. But I don't remember anything. Well, I, I, it's interesting, and I, I, part of it is the the, uh, the, the, the specific anesthetic. And, mm-hmm. and I've read how profithol, profithol, anyway, yeah. if, if I could talk, I'd say it. Yeah. Uh, how, how it does function, it, it, it does seem to function, as I say, as to interrupt the, the, the chemical. And it's, it's just an absolute switch that you just, you just don't think anymore. Yeah. Uh, and, and indeed... My brief experience with it uh, as an anesthetic is that I I have absolutely no sensation mm-hmm. uh, from from the time they switch the switch off until they switch it back on again. Yep. Uh, and that, I, I think that's it. So the, yep. the, 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 the 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 I guess the point I was trying to get to with all of this is that that if you if you under if you if you've ever studied analog computers then there are a number of elements to analog computing there are there there, there there's connectivity certainly mm-hmm. so you, you have to be able to transmit an impulse if you will so an electrical impulse and you have things like adders and splitters and and the like so you 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 can you can you can take uh Two distinct signals and put them together through an adder and then convey that on down the road. And so when you do that with relatively small number of distinct uh, action elements, if you will. Okay. Uh, with with uh, uh, not a lot of effort, you, you can come up with a relatively complex uh, connectivity scheme. Uh, in terms of conveying an impulse from from beginning to end, you can you can you can manipulate you can modulate it a great okay. deal by by virtue of these relatively simple elements. Well, if you take those relatively simple elements, that they they exist within the neuron to neuron connectivity within the, the nervous system. Okay, and thinking of a Neuro of the neurotransmitters as as another one of these these little elements through through various neurotransmitters the idea of doing adders and splitters between neurons collections of neurons you can come up and and you now multiply that by a trillion connections mm-hmm. you can come up with incredibly complex analog processes. And it is those incredibly complex analog processes that are 
thought. That that is what thought is, and that that embedded within that then is memory. And so you're sitting I, here just by yourself pondering, mm-hmm. right? So when you're reading, or so so in in a sense you're with reading. Just I'm just thinking through of when you're sitting there by yourself, it's just you and your thoughts. So you're taking some of those imprints or memories or memories could be like your to-do list, for example. And you just start thinking about that's all going on inside your head, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then to communicate that you end up going through like a, almost a parallel thought process of how do I take these thoughts and then communicate them to right. another person who's similarly equipped right. or differently equipped, depends. But yeah, so you would communicate differently. You would put a different thought process in communicating to another person who perhaps was um, unable to see. So if you were going to use visual references or uh, similes or metaphors, then that might not work. That might not be that effective, but that might be your first well, inclination. I, I actually, actually, uh, so so I've, I've made this. You, you, you've you've covered a rel- very very broad uh, range of, of yeah. things within well, within that, that. Yeah, <laughs> within that the simple sentence. If you uh, to, to 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 give a little background back in the gosh my 1960s or so the uh, uh, international standards organization iso uh, uh that mike and i have both uh, uh participated in to, at, at great length um had a group that put together something called the open systems interconnect reference model good old osi osi basically how do two different computers, if you will, mm-hmm. communicate with each other. And it, 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 they came up with a, what was now a protocol stack. So you have to do this kind of operation and then layer that on top of this type of operation and layer that on this type of operation. So you can have very dissimilar computers running very dissimilar languages or, or talking very dissimilar languages in, mm-hmm. in their minds. Their, their thoughts are very dissimilar, if you will. And you can go through a, a series of stacked protocols that ultimately allow you to translate one computer process down to a physical connection to, over to a different computer and you go back up the stack on the other side and uh, you can communicate between very dissimilar compu- computers through that. Well, the, the, the same thing, I contend, the same thing occurs between two different thought entities, if you will. Mm-hmm. You have uh, inherent in our physiology, we have these stacked protocols that begin with somehow uh, coming up with a common frame of reference for our thoughts, okay? Uh, within my thought, I, I think, uh, within my brain, I think red and my concept of red needs to somehow match your concept of red. Mm-hmm. Now, quite frankly, within both of our minds, the way I perceive red may be completely, and I mean completely different from the way you perceive red. On the other hand, 
if the two of us can stare at a red dot, mm-hmm. you know, very early in our lives, when we're infants or something, our mothers say, you know, this is red. And I perceive that, okay, my physical interpretation of sure. that uh, set of wavelengths, if you will, is somehow manifests itself within my thoughts in a, a fashion that uh, allows you and I both to think of the term red mm-hmm. and 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 we, yeah, and there's we, variances like that bag you've got over there that that straps red, the cardinals red, the backgrounds red. They're all within a range of red, right? And so we can look at that, and we would generally agree. Yeah, that side of the bag's mostly red. Mostly red. Uh, but but being even more detailed than that, well, ultimately we could end up describing in great detail each little nuance shade of red. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to go to any paint store. Well, as my wife describes to me every time we go to a paint store, yep. that's not blue. That's not blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got some gray in it. Well, it's not blue. Yeah. Uh, yep. So we have to have, we have to have first of all we have to have a common frame of, of reference. Uh, uh, and then we subsequently have to be able to, to, to translate that frame of reference, the thought, if you will, mm-hmm. into the physical realm. We have a very limited, we have a, a sensory motor system, yeah. uh, a physiological sensory motor system. The sensory side brings information into our minds. Yep. The motor side conveys information out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, uh, our sensory motor systems uh, uh, consist of uh, five senses uh, coming in mm-hmm. and uh, at least five physical mechanisms correlate, co- corresponding to those senses going out, right? Yep. So uh, uh, I have... So that's... The way I can perceive the external world directly mm-hmm. is through those five senses. Now, we, we learn uh, as we go along uh, how to combine those senses into, if you will, a more powerful uh, perception right but so, so, so I, I can, can, can mm-hmm. connect. The sense of smell, the sense of taste, and I can enhance my ability to taste food, for sure. example. Yeah. Uh, I can smell it. Uh, I can taste it. You put together the two, and, mm-hmm. and I have a new experience, as we've discovered or as, as has been illustrated with the COVID uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, the sense of smell is generally uh, uh, interrupted or, or diminished by the, 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 my having COVID. Mm-hmm. And that has tended to diminish the sense of taste as well. And if both of them go away, literally our sensation of pleasure from food goes away. And and so the 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 more complex uh, thought process that we think of as an appetite, uh, right, is diminished by the, our lack of physical connectivity or f- physical capability. Yeah, you lose some of those senses. You lose the the ability to 
satisfy that craving uh, of a sensation or or ability to differentiate between. And you certainly lose that. You, and certainly, you lose that that physical channel as mm-hmm. a means of communication between you and me. And it's not just food and those types of desires. You, uh, I was joking with a friend. He was talking about how he was a drift racer. You know, racing a car, and drifting is, you know, you're spinning your wheels. You're just chewing up rubber, splatting that everywhere. A lot of time, drift racers think their car's on fire because there's that just burning rubber smell everywhere right and so you can get overwhelmed by that but if you couldn't smell and you weren't drifting <laughs> and you had basically rubber burning that could be insulation you could have an actual electrical fire that could be a threat to you so there's we, we have different levels of uh just types of information that come through those senses and we have to interpret them in our thought engine with whatever we have available to then decide what our next course of thought action or fight or flight you know however that goes yep well you you touched on another element earlier and and you you said it in such a fashion that it's it seems like a, a a a choice this or that or that you you i think you said metaphor or simile or uh, well it, it, it's been pointed out to me by some some some, some very good linguists uh one of, of whom we, we we know both lay bertrand or mm-hmm. buddy who observed to me that that all of our thought processes all of our communication is through metaphor that is the way our brains work Mm-hmm. It is the way we work. And uh, so you have to look at a, a think about a, a, a definition. And I don't think I have I've really come up with a, a good, succinct definition. But essentially, metaphor is the connectivity between sensation and physical experience. Okay. Okay. And, and so I, I can, can come up with, with uh, a, a specific shared experience and through that shared experience uh, we can convey or we can communicate subsequently through our own variance our own understanding of the metaphor that 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 is the connection of the physical experience to the thought process and 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 so that's the way we communicate. There there was a very interesting, uh, I thought interesting uh, Star Trek episode uh, from the uh, the next generation Star Trek, uh, okay. where uh, 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 Captain Picard or the the Enterprise mm-hmm. uh, ran across a a, a, a a different species, and the other species communicated not just through metaphor but through the direct imagery of metaphor and so they communicated by essentially calling out a specific experience and it was through your understanding of that specific experience that you could derive specific sensations specific information Mm. And so they were having the, the species and the humans uh, on the Enterprise, uh, the, the other species recognized 
there was going to be a difficulty. They they, mm-hmm. they came to the realization first that obviously they, they, they had encountered this with other species. And so the the manner in which they could subsequently learn to communicate with the other species was to share experiences. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they, they couldn't just tell about it because they didn't right. have they didn't have the language capability to explain their shared experience. They had to have the imagery. They if had you will. to build that experience common directly between them. Between because them. they didn't have any historical metaphors to share with each other. That's right. Because yeah. So 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 they they they, they, they the specific episode literally. Uh, uh, Captain Picard and the captain of the other vessel under the control of the other vessel were transported down to a planet mm-hmm. uh, a foreign planet uh, if you will or uh, unknown to either either of them and they were just put there together mm-hmm. with the idea that they would now share experience and based upon that shared experience they would ultimately learn to communicate much more complex ideas. And and uh, so in, in watching the episode, and I thought it was cool, and yeah. I, I, I went into uh, to my friend Bertrand, the linguist, mm-hmm. and, and the next day and said, oh, I saw this interesting episode that, that here was a, a species that, and I stated it, here was a species that communicated only through metaphor, and I was going to launch into describing sure. the, the, the episode. and. And Bertrand observed to me that, that all of our communication is through metaphor. Right. You know, even even down to the to the words that we use. Each each word is in essence a succinct metaphor, and we 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 that it is just the way we work. And, mm-hmm. and some groups have subsequently found out that yeah, literally down to the neuron cellular level, or certainly a small mm. collection of, of neurons, we. We communicate through metaphor, and, and I've, I've observed before that, that you can look at our physical processes, I'll be, excuse me, our physiological processes. Mm-hmm. It, it would appear that they function by way of metaphor. It's the only way, it's the only way that the very complex uh, interpretation that we can make of sensory input, it's the only way that it can occur within the time frame that we have allotted is that the brain has to be functioning by metaphor. And this is where when cultures come up meeting each other, or if you have a common culture and you decide to diverge from a common culture, you, I'm, I'm throwing culture into this mm-hmm. as a mechanism for preserving metaphor for, um, efficiently communicating and so i mean geographically that happens because you have different parts of the world and the way just historically the land is the way the the flora and the fauna are different you're going to have we common experiences for sure but then differences along the way and like you know the english and and americans you know Two people separated by a common language. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so things like that. Well, so so there are a lot of starting points uh, uh, to, for for, the, for this whole concept or of, of, of communication. There, there are a number of starting points. Uh, going back into the into the the direct connectivity between thought and 
as a philosophical thing and and the physical world of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a there's a uh, uh, I want to say he's a psychologist. I'm not sure that he was actually trained as a psychologist, but there was a, a gentleman back in the in the early uh, 20, in the mid 20th century mm-hmm. named uh, uh, Abraham Maslow or yeah. Maslow. And yeah, we've spoken of him before, I think. Yeah, well, a couple times. He, yeah. I, I, he, he's in an interesting situation. He, he's he's if you, if you've ever if you've heard the talk that the idea of, of the uh, the hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. which is is the way he, his was characterized. His his paper is actually dealt with motivation, mm. uh, but the the idea then is, and, and, but but it's you. It's perceived as a statement of needs, mm-hmm. which which implies the, to me at least, the input side of things. It's 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 the sensory side of things. Right. I have needs, and so I I need to I I need to have sensory input that satisfies that internal philosophical uh, uh, desire or demand or whatever uh, for sensation. Right. Okay. On the outward side, I, the way I think about it is that that the need that exists at a philosophical realm uh, creates an appetite, which now is the way that that thought is conveyed into the physical realm. Mm-hmm. My my appetites is, is what gives me my motivation for stimulation of the motor system to convey things information out into the physical realm from my from my thought process into the physical realm at any rate maslow defined a a a hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. that range at the the base level of physical mm-hmm. actual physical needs to the highest level uh, called self he called self actualization uh, and he started out defining a four-level hierarchy, uh, or excuse me, yeah, a four-level hierarchy uh, that he subsequently eh, slightly tweaked a little bit by by subdividing the the what he called self-actualization uh, by subdividing that down into I, I think three or, 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 or four additional uh, uh, sub-levels. Okay. So they ended up with uh, essentially a seven-layer or eight-layer uh, uh, hierarchy of, of needs. He, he described these in a, in a, in a paper, uh, I think his book, actually, it's in, in a book, it's called Toward a Psychology of Being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he defines this hierarchy of needs, and you'll find, I think, probably most people in the area perceive that, yeah, that's, that's a description of what motivates us, if you will, as, 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 as living entities, mm-hmm. uh, is that hierarchy of needs. But nobody's really been able to derive, to my understanding, nobody's been able to derive an experiment which will demonstrate that, or certainly demonstrate the layering, the, higher, the layering, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that 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 physical physical need underlies uh, psychological need underlies uh, which underlies the 
the need for belonging, which underlies ultimately the need of, of self-actualization. Now, uh, let me let me let me let me let me digress just a little bit here with <laughs> with the whole concept of self-actualization because we we touched on it a, a bit earlier, and I, I meant to comment on it, and I didn't at the time, but. When, 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 when I'm just sitting here with, with, if I'm in a totally sensory-deprived state, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 I'm not. I can't be totally, I guess, sensory-deprived, but I can get close. Yeah. You know that 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 the mind starts to to get all wonky when that happens, right. and, and that has been demonstrated through quite a number of, of experiments. Yeah, throwing them in the hole. Month, month in solitary. Well, yeah. well, well. Yeah. It, 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 perhaps even a slight, slightly less draconian than that. You mm-hmm. take someone and you put them in a deep cave, sure, and let them live there for a long period of time, and their sense of time goes totally mm-hmm. amok. Yeah, you know, they, 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 there, there are people that have been put in that experience, in that situation where. Uh, they perceive that they've been in this. Uh, they've been in this situation for. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they, they perceive that they've been in the situation three months, and it's been a week. Right. You know? yeah. and, and 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 the inverse. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. time has the, the, their their sense of the passing of time has been very, very different. The the point being that that we can think of our our thought process as being a response to sensory input. Yeah, and in the real world, it really is. You know mm-hmm. that we, as we sit around, we're talking here today. Yeah, uh, we our minds, our thought process are, dri- are driven by largely by sensory input, mm-hmm. and uh, what we do is largely a response to sensory input. But kind of in the extreme, I'm not in the extreme, but kind of out at one end there when when when. Um, uh, uh, sensory input diminishes, if you will, and, mm-hmm. and here I'll, I'll refer back to a, to a computer system. Right. Uh, I can I can make event-driven computers, right? That 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 do things based on sensory input. Yeah. They they get interrupts sure. in right. Yeah. In the total absence of external sensory input, they'll just come to a screeching halt. They'll the, the computer will just stop. Nothing to do. There's nothing to do, and that's where you come up with the idea of an internal clock, which mm-hmm. which I equate to the idea of of uh, self actualization. That that I have this I have this little little this little turning in, in interior to my to my thought process, like a this stir, side. like a like a little ball spinning around in the bottom of a. Yeah, uh, I chemistry mean, thing. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. The beaker. <laughs> visualize it kind of any way you, you want. Uh, I was just trying to figure but out it, how it, how it because I, I when you say a, a clock, I think of something that just simply marks time. I, I I'm I'm well, it's, I'm, but, but, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, what it's I'm doing. trying to struggle with how that turns into actualizing something kind well, of a different it's it's because it's because it, it, it in a in a in a purely event driven system it becomes the continuing event okay, okay. so 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 if if and in the if extreme I, the only event and in the extreme the only event but if, but if i don't get any event then i have no thought you're adrift 
I, not even adrift. I'm just, it, it's the, 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 the world is blank at that point. There is no thought process, period. Mm. And if you, think of the, if you think of the brain as, if you will, a dynamic entity, that thought and memory are all part of a process. So I have a stupid and, question. Sure. So we're talking about sensory I, I'm deprivation. Sure I, I'm sure I have a stupid answer. All right. Well, yeah. well that's why we do this. <laughs> so I, let's imagine a, a fully sensory de- deprived human, and you got them all metered up, and you're looking at their brain activity. Is the case, first of all, I mean, I guess they try to do that, but you still have touch, temperature, maybe, you know, who knows what. But if you could control that down to, if you will, at the absolute zero of input, mm-hmm. zero Kelvin brain activity in a way, does the, and, and therefore you can't mark time, your, your mind, what I'm understanding here is the mind just done. Whereas in my mind, I'm thinking, the mind could just start inventing stuff out of memories that it had and trying to grasp at what was the last time mark I had? What was the last temperature change I noticed? What was the last touch or... Well, you're, getting, you're getting close to the way I think of this concept of self-actualization. Okay. Okay, and, and that is that in the absence of sensory input... And, and let's recognize that, that we probably don't get totally mm-hmm. lack of it. But even in the lack of total lack of sensory input, something within my brain, if, if, if I still have the physical, the, the, the means of physical connectivity between neurons, mm-hmm. I still have the means of conveying an impulse through a chain of neurons then I still have the capability of thought. If I, if I haven't mm-hmm. interrupted that, I still have the capability of thought. Right. And without any kind of sensory input, I still have a thought process going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the machine's still running. The, sti- the machine's, machine's still, still running. capable of exchanging information. And, and it's, well, it, it, it's, 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 still, it's, it's still capable of thought, if you will. Yeah. And out of thought comes motivation. Okay, so mm-hmm. so that, and this that that's what that's what Maslow Maslow uh, uh, really intended or, or mm-hmm. said told said told so us about. So when we question people's motivation, we're quest, questioning their thought. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and the, the, their their motivation is 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 can be, can be very very complex, right? Mm-hmm. And it, in many instances motivation derives from sensory input, right? But Maslow characterized self-actualization as being kind of a special thing. As a matter of fact, he he characterized it that that not everybody had it. He he talked about self-actualized individuals with with the kind of assumption that there were people that were not self-actualized. And and I think what he had in mind, the, the way it's conveyed, is that that someone that uh, think of, think of a society, think, think of a collection of, of people, right? Mm, okay. That 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 
they, they communicate as we've been talking about here through physical processes mm-hmm. and in the end they, the, 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 the goal if you will the, the, collect, the goal of the collectivist if you will of, of, of a group is to have a shared motivation mm-hmm. to do something right I think Maslow's idea of self-actualization is that it's an individual that can create that societal motivation out of pure thought, not necessarily a response to, to, to physical stimulus. And it's the job, of, if you will, of the self-actualized individual to convey the sensory input to the rest of the society to create a shared motivation. So we call those people, maybe, just taking a stab, Joe's inspiring. Sure. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but my perception is I I think that everybody is Mm self-actualized, right? Uh, And and some to a greater degree of others than others. Some may just not be able to communicate it. Well, and, or, or and, and or, yeah. that's not part of part of their self-actualization is that I don't want to be functioning within a group. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm self-actualized, if you will, to the, from, from the standpoint that I want I want to be a hermit. I'm going to go uh, live uh, in a yeah. cabin in the woods yeah. and get away from other people. On the other hand, I, do, I don't get away from the physical world. Sure, right. So I I want to I want to I want to feel the sun on my face. I want to feel the cold air. What, what not? It's like I am intentionally limiting my API. Yep. Yep. You just I will converse long enough that you understand. Mm-hmm. I don't want you hunting on my land. Yeah. Or something and, like and, that. Right? And, and, I, yeah. and I'm perfectly I'm perfectly happy that you know, I, yeah. can, I I can kind of sympathize with. It. I'm perfectly happy to sit in my in my own little little hovel in the woods mm-hmm. and have the tools to write and I, I like to write things down sure. and then subsequently I'll, I'll turn back the pages and I'll read it yep. to myself. And so I, I, I do this quite a lot. I, I write mm-hmm. for my, uh, what I think of as my, 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 I write for myself. Yeah. And I, 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 I write things down. I write about memories. I write about really weird thoughts, kind of like this conversation that we're having today. Yeah, we're having a good time. Yeah. And and I'm happy enough with that. And I, 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 can, I can... You'll get a nugget out of this. You'll say, yeah, we talked about this. That got me thinking about that. And that turns yeah. into a nugget. And yeah. you, you go through your writing process, but which the, is also a thought process. And the writing is part of that communication exercise. Because yeah. in a way, you're helping reinforce what your thought was, recording it for your use later. So, then, so yeah. to, to plant a seed, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I, 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 I really think that an awful lot of, of, of people have, have thought of all of this before. Sure, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not really not treading any new ground here at all. But I, I, will, I, will, I will make the leap of suggesting that, that our founding uh, our founders, I, I, mm-hmm. I won't leap into the argument of our founding fathers, but I will s- simply observe that our founders, I think, observed this or understood this quite well, quite mm-hmm. intuitively, and they expressed it very well. And they expressed it very well, as, as we've talked about before, at least I've talked with you about before, yeah. uh, through the, the Declaration of Independence at a societal level. Yeah. And, and they basically said within the Declaration of Independence that that... It 
it is obvious everybody knows mm-hmm. that we all have unalienable or inalienable rights of of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And pursuit of happiness is the ultimate uh, expression, or it's it's it's, it's the ultimate level of self-actualization in in the in 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 the absence of any other sensory input deep down within our thoughts we want to be happy yeah now what does that mean i'm not quite sure you have well and that's you you, you have your idea of what happy means and i have my idea of what happy means Mm -hmm. and the way the founders expressed it is that that that's perfectly okay each of us has our right to be happy or to pursue happiness Mm -hmm. and it's a right that can't be taken away from us, and yeah. no one has the right to impinge upon that pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Except other, that, except other, that yeah. we, we 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 make we we do make allowances that mm, yeah I might I'm I might really enjoy slicing someone up and eating them. Well, that's the life part. You, yeah. You can't deprive that. that that's where I was going yeah. in a minute ago. Was there? There's an order to those life you can't experience any of the rest of this without being alive liberty you have to be free to exercise that life that you've been given in order to pursue so so let's touch on that liberty essentially says that within my philosophical thought process Mm -hmm. nothing should be able to prevent me from turning that thought process into a physical expression mm-hmm. because that's that's the way I interact with the real world is through physical expression mm-hmm. and so uh, through that physical expression I derive within my thought process a sensation and that sensation uh, I choose to say it at the, at the at the extreme or the ultimate sensation that we all crave is one of happiness, and, and so yeah. and, and, by virtue of the fact that we're alive, we have the liberty to express our thought processes through the through the our physical motor system, and through that we we get in response sensory input mm-hmm. that makes us happy. So. Just continuing this a bit further, because we talk about thought, we talked about, um, and just to wrap it up in a way, maybe set us up for an, another conversation, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, we'll just use those words for now. You had a group of leaders from very different uh, localities and different religious backgrounds, although still kind of within the the Judeo-Christian framework, but they each had different views on things. There was a variance of views. But in order to be successful, they had to agree on what they were codifying as the basis for this culture, the basis for this form of government they were going to establish. And this is, the, the declaration literally is that. It's that declaration of we the people in order to form a more perfect union, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And within that union, within those 13 colonies, some chose to not observe that in their own way. But they all agreed that that 
was the goal. So it was this very high-minded document that was based on a shared desire, not sure how to get there. Then you get to the Constitution. So now you're getting to the process of how we build and maintain that. And then you have the Bill of Rights. So all of these things basically describe an ideal that they all agreed on and they all signed on to. Then you have the Constitution, which is the framework on how to affect that but then you had the ability to amend that and then then that's when things got more clear in 1791 if you will with the bill of rights so i guess where i'm going with this is they put to paper what was a metaphor that they were all experiencing they'd all left something they were getting away from something that restricted their ability to, in your words, Mm self-actualize. And they're putting together this uh, declaration of, you know, the the grievances are listed in there, everything that was against what they were for. And it was a document about what they were for. This is what we are, in order to do this. Well, I I absolutely agree with all that, but it goes, it goes, from my perception, just slightly beyond that. Sure. Because it, it, it generally is recognized, certainly within within United States law as interpreted by the judiciary. The the, the the Declaration of Independence is generally perceived as being a statement of principles. And I look at it and say, no, no, no. It is much more than that. It is a policy statement in and of itself. I, you could think of the Declaration of Independence as establishing a trust infrastructure. Mm-hmm. A trust infrastructure basically says that we we have shared experience, shared ex, uh, uh, sensations mm-hmm. to the to the level that we can communicate those with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So we we will make decisions based on a common interpretation. Mm-hmm. Now, now we we may seek slightly different outcomes. Okay, but but we 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 share mm-hmm. the process through which we will we, we will we will ultimately decide. Okay, so so that's a, a shared trust infrastructure. Within a trust infrastructure, you then have to define the the, the, the actual rules that you're going to operate by, mm-hmm. and so I call that a policy infrastructure. So then I would say the Declaration of Independence is establishing a trust infrastructure. The Constitution establishes a policy infrastructure, except that the Declaration of Independence goes just a little bit beyond that. It says that, that we uh, w- w- share, if you will, a trust infrastructure, but it also defines who we is. Yeah. Okay, so so so, and this is the this this is the great, I, I guess, difference that I have with with judicial interpretation. Mm-hmm. Basic to me, the Declaration of Independence defines suffrage. It defines who gets to have a say. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And 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 I look about the Declaration of Independence just just putting it in the real world. Actually, the Declaration of Independence freed the slaves, and it gave women equal rights. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Okay, and not only gave women, it gave children equal rights. Everybody had a right to vote, uh, if you will, to make decisions uh, related to society as a whole. And the Constitution then was put in place 
to define processes through which the society would agree to make decisions. So that's that's what the, the Constitution is all about, the process. The, 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 the defining of, of, of three branches of government, all right? right? Yeah. And, 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 and all of those things that we understand. Yeah. But it defines back, but the Constitution does not speak to the idea of suffrage. Who gets a vote? It doesn't. It basically punts. It says, oh, well, the, 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 the states are defined, get to define who gets to have a say. I say bullshit on that. The Declaration of Independence has already defined it, and it's already defined it from the perspective, and we've touched on this before, from the perspective independent of the states. Because at the signing of the Declaration on, Ju- on July the 5th, July the 5th, 1776, no colony existed. No state existed. The only thing that existed was the federal government, period. That's all that existed because the Declaration of Independence essentially cut the bound, cut the... Yeah, it severed the, severed the, severed the relationship with the crown and therefore this whole... The whole idea, uh, idea every, of every, colony, every, col- every yeah. colony was, and, and at that point, every state government, what became a state government, every, every state government was derived from the, 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 the colonial connection. You cut the colonial connection, they went away. But what the founders had done in their, I think, very wise thing, they, they had put together a national government. The Second Continental Congress was the government of the overriding, overseeing government of those 13 colonies. It created the national government. They created a national government, and then they cut the they cut severed the the connection that created those thirteen colonies, and they went away. Yeah, yeah, entirely. Sure. Well, yeah. And, and so, 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 <laughs> I, I, so we, 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 the communication-wise, what what that did was codify the metaphor of those people at that time. Correct. Yeah. So it, it's got out of the thought process out into a, a written expression of but, that inner metaphor and, and what's what's important about that what's important about that it's written it, it, it's it, mm-hmm. it's written down in language right yes. language that that uh, people agreed upon uh, they certainly agreed upon it at, at, at that time right and uh, and and so that that language conveys Mm-hmm. The sensations of the thought processes within within those people you get, get, gave them a, a common frame of reference, a common way to to communicate, uh, and probably uh, we, 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 we might want to wrap this up. Uh, uh, lest lest I launch off. Well, I'm guessing you're headed toward own the language, own the uh, oh, I've, all of that. So I mean, yeah, it's you end up with snapshots and that's that's where you go to judicial interpretation and what did this mean at the time is it different whatever yeah so that well and, I, and, and furthermore if you really if you really want to shortcut the whole process it's really neat if you can control the language exactly yeah and once once you can once you control the language and you start controlling the meeting mm-hmm. then yeah, the, the the fact that 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 you get to define what the words mean that's, as opposed to a shared understanding of what they mean—that's uh, called chaos. Yeah. Yep. And kind of pretty much the direction we seem to be going. <laughs> da 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 da. So we almost made it. 
Oh, oh God, no. We we didn't get close yet. I, I know. I, I Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, good to see you. It's, 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 I, I have to observe that it's, it's all a gigantic plate of spaghetti. Uh-huh. You know, there, 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 there are ends in there somewhere, but finding the end of, of a single strand of spaghetti is hard to do. How many constitutional congresses did we go through? Yeah. How many years between 76 and, yeah. yeah. So it, excuse me, it, it. It's a bit of work. Well, we'll, we'll I'm sure, uh, well, certainly I'll continue to think about it in the absence of all else, <laughs> of all other sensory input. In your, in your, in your writing, writing cove. Yeah. Cool. And, and I'll, I keep, I keep hunting for the end of the spaghetti, and I, I don't think I've found it yet. There's, but we'll see. I hear there's a meatball at the end, but we'll find out. Mm. Good to see you, Tim. Enjoyed it. Same. See you later. <laughs> and that was our conversation we had here at our favorite little eatery. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know we enjoyed getting back together and just talking about stuff because that's what we do. And uh, if you got some value from it, so this is a value for value podcast, podcasting activity. Um, What we do is we put that out there. And then if you find any value in it yourself, you know, the value is the podcast we put out. And if you want to return some of that to us, uh, there's many ways you can do it. That's the model we do. We don't have subscription. We don't have paywalls. We don't have advertising because, well, that's a whole other story. And I'm like, who would put an ad on our show? Start with that. But one of the big things about that, so value for value, listen to us on a, on a modern podcast app. And you can find those at modernpodcastapps.com. And those will show to you a lot of the value of what's in this. Um, Chapters, when I get to them, uh, transcript, um, just basically the ability to stream Satoshis and send us boostograms. All right, so you're like, what's a boostogram? A boostogram is sending a little bit, or how much as you want, um, uh, Satoshis back to us. And Satoshi is a fraction of a Bitcoin. And with that, in a boostogram, you can put a message in there. And then I can check it out and see as it goes and, uh, you know, give you a shout out on the next episode or at least answer whatever question or comment you might give. The big value for me and for Tim is feedback. Uh, Let us know what you thought, what topics you might think would be interesting for us to address and uh, and that kind of stuff. And um, that's how we do it. And I hope you enjoyed it. Um, We'll be uh, doing this again sometime soon, hopefully. Uh, not as long as it's been between these last two episodes. So uh, shoot us an email at mike at mikenewman.show and or just hit us up on the um, on the boost grants. All righty. Catch you later. John 317. <laughs>